created for the MAPE community by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Welcome to Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Desir, and I have the privilege of being joined by three amazing humans to talk today about how about the mental health challenges for men of color. On the episode today, we have Kavel Khan, SVP Client Partnerships for North America for Vice Media Group, Jason Rosario, Founder and Creative Director of Lives of Men, and Ashok Sinha, VP Corporate Communications of Warner Media. This is one of the episodes in a series following up on the MAPE Summit, where we are revisiting the topics and going a little bit deeper, getting a little bit realer, really diving in, especially given all that's happened since the summit in February, now where we are in today's world. So I'd like to invite the fellows to introduce themselves, say hi. And I want to actually start with, since it's about mental health, I want to start with, I was at a um, boot camp back in October, and they did something I thought was very interesting. They had a, they had a check-in every day, well, every session about where you were. They, you're either red, yellow, or green, and where you are, and why. And you can be in the middle. So I'd like the fellows to just say hi, and then do the check-in about where they are, red, yellow, or green. Who wants to jump in and start? I'll start. So, uh, uh, hi everyone. It's Ashok Sinha from Warner Media. I think I think I'm sort of in between a green and a yellow. I'm lucky enough to have been able to escape the city, and I'm up sort of up in the country, uh, and it's beautiful here, surrounded by woods and trees. And so, you know, during the day, I'm able to work from here, and it's amazing and and, and relaxing. And um, but then at night, sometimes I sort of think about the fact that the world is so crazy, and I've sort of I'm trying not to watch the news as much as I was at the, at the very beginning. And so when I sort of forget what's going on in the world and I focus on just my here and now, it's pretty amazing. And I'm sort of thrilled to be here. But then when I think about, or, you know, when I watch the news or I speak with friends and I think about what's really happening in the world, uh, I have sort of my moments of panic. So I would say I'm somewhat in between a green and a yellow. Maybe a little bit of red in there too. Yeah, I'm sure it fluctuates given every moment. (laughs) depending on what's going on at work and at home. Thank you, Ashok. Uh, Cavell, let's just go in alphabetical order. Hey, Cavell Khan here. So I, I think I'm in a state of, of yellow most of the time, but definitely have some spikes in, in red. And, and like everyone, you know, in in my role and what I do on the on, on the sell side and on, on the, the client partnership side, there's a lot of disruption for our clients right now. Um, mm-hmm. And it's impacting us. Uh, like everyone else, in terms of what are the advertisers are trying to figure out how do they manage through this time. Uh, this is not a time to sell, so to speak. It is a time to encourage. It's a time to, to step up and do what they can to help the, 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 the country and the world. And so that has disrupted the, the normal day-to-day. And so as a leader, there are, you know, teams, we have to manage expectations with our, with our teams and make sure their mental, mental health is good because everyone is impacted by this one way or the other. For our clients and our agency partners, we, we see a lot of what's happening in the marketplace in terms of furloughs and, and layoffs, unfortunately. And so, you know, that affects us. These are our, 
our partners and, and we want to be supportive um, of them. And then, of course, we all have our personal lives. I, I Right now, I have a baby due in three weeks and figuring out delivery for that baby isn't, isn't an easy thing right now in the, in the time of COVID. So, you know, most of the time I'm in the yellow, but there are these types of red that, that happens that we have to manage. Can't, can't wait to be back in the green. Well, first off, congratulations. It's, it's amazing to hear some good news in this time where we can often hear just, just bad, bad, bad. And I know it's got to be stressful trying to uh, plan a delivery. But I do yeah. hear that's the one thing that they save beds for nowadays, besides COVID patients. So that's good. Yeah. Jason. I guess I'm up next. Yeah. Excited to be here and continue this conversation, guys. I'm Jason Rosario, the founder and creative director of The Lives of Men. I would say that I'm probably in orange uh, right now, somewhere in between red and yellow, in large part because this time has coincided with COVID uh, and, and coronavirus has coincided with uh, a tough time personally for me as well, right? So all of these worlds are colliding for me at the same time. And I think I'm probably safely to say that I'm the only one on the call that's uh, considered unemployed or, or a member of the gig economy. And so I'm really feeling it. Um, you know, most of my speaking engagements, my workshops, all of that stuff has dried up completely. And I even saw a job offer rescinded because of COVID. And so I'm, I'm feeling it, you know, from all angles. And so mental health right now and being mindful of it and being aware of kind of where I'm at uh, is really, really important and top of mind. Yeah, that how personal and professional have kind of just tidal wave together here, I think is a a big source of, or what's attacking our mental health, as you just said, Jason. Um, you also, I mean, what I picked up from kind of what everyone said here was, you know, Ashok, you were talking about the here and now. And that brought me to a place where it's so different for people across the board, right? The here and now. We all kind of touched on our own here and now. And that uh, disruption that Cavell talked about with the, you know, the work and the home disruption, right? Like I got a, I got a daughter too and it's, you know, working at home for me before was amazing. It was kind of like a break from everything where I can just focus. But now working from home while trying to educate and trying to feed and trying to entertain has brought its own sort of disruption to to the everyday life. And yeah, Jason, you brought up a good point, you know, with this, especially for folks who are entrepreneurs, who are self, you know, their own businesses. What does it look like now and, and after, you know, for you? Um, so that, that attacks all of our mental health. I'd love, I think one thing that the pandemic is really showing in this is, is that disparity, right? So the here and now, I think we all kind of touched on like what that looks like. I'd love to get your thoughts on how the difference here and now is that we have are impacting mental health in different ways for, for different sorts of people, since we're all in kind of different situations. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, take a stab at this, you know, one thing that uh, obviously someone, as someone who does men's work and uh, looks to kind of understand the way that we think and, and how we show up in the world, one thing that I've been really aware of is uh, for men who have been used to being the breadwinners in their families or the, or, or the primary providers, this is a time that is, is forcing a lot of us to really look at ourselves and look at where our self-worth what are we attaching our self-worth to? Are we attaching our self-worth to our ability to produce and provide on a material level? Or are we attaching our self-worth to our ability to, to be present with our families and with our loved ones, be, to be there from an emotional standpoint? And I think a lot of men are struggling with that, to 
be honest with you. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with men who, who don't know what to do, who find themselves at home every day and now have to change diapers or, you know, deal with things that they may not have, they may have had the privilege in the past to kind of offload to their partners or to someone else. And so now they're squarely in that on a daily basis and there's no escape. And I think that's something that as men who, who are navigating family life, right, in whatever way that, that takes form, I think that's been a challenge for a lot of us. And so I think, if nothing else, this is a positive, uh, a net positive for us to think about post-corona, what kind of people do we want to be, right? Forget about what kind of men we want to be, what kind of people, what kind of human beings do we want to be, and then maybe start working on that. And I think that's nothing else positive has come out of this, you know, for, for, for some of us, that's probably one of the things that I'm very, very keen on and, and aware of. Yeah, it's, I mean, I think a lot about, um, have a lot of, oh, Chuck, you want to hop in, feel free. No, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just going to say, I don't know if this directly sort of addresses um, your question, but just tagging a little bit off of what Jason was just saying, you know, there's been a lot in the press, it seems lately, about kind of when you think about sort of the disparity between people who can do their work from home on a laptop. Um, I was reading an article today in the Times about, you know, people who, are, who live in Detroit who need to sort of get onto a bus together. So the bus is like, you know, 60 or 80 people all kind of like wedged in close together that don't have the luxury of social distancing from each other, but they have to get to work because they work in food service or they work at grocery stores or they're, they're, they don't have the luxury of being able to say like, I'm, I can do what I do from anywhere. I can be at home with my laptop. And, you know, I, I don't really have a thought on that other than it just kind of struck me that there's kind of a, there's kind of a disparity, I think, that the pandemic and our response to it is kind of highlighting within certainly within our society, but I'm sure all around the world. I don't know whether you guys have any thoughts on that, but I there's something about that I that, that I think is really interesting. And to what Jason said at the end of what he just said, if nothing else, if when we sort of come out on the other side of this, if there's some way that we can collectively think about how to address that kind of disparity the next time we we're sort of faced with something like this, I think there would be a great learning experience there for this whole experience. Yeah, I couldn't couldn't agree more about this, what this, both of what both of you said about what this pandemic will do to how we are viewing. And Jason, you hit on a couple really great points about the changing of roles and what that can do to the, the mental health of men, especially men of color, who've always been told, you know, you have to be the breadwinner. You have to do this. You're not, you don't change diapers. You don't do this. And I know we have some uh, more evolved men on this with kids that probably have changed diapers and we have been involved. But what, you know, in the conversations you've had, Jason and Cavell, you can pop in as well. How do you see people handling this, this shift? How do you see men of color handling or trying to handle this shift? And what might be ways that they can, you know, work through this as a, as a group? One of the things that has been encouraging, because I think in normal times, it's probably something that's not talked about enough that is in place is that, you know, Men of color, we can do a lot, lot better um, in regular times to support each other. And one of the things that I see happening um, right now is during this pandemic, I am reaching out and others, uh, men of color, are reaching out just to even check in. And I, I know a friend of mine, I will give him a shout out, Jason Smith out of Chicago. He has even started to write about you know, being a father, a man of color during this time. And so you really see 
men of color right now kind of rising up and I'm highly encouraged by it to tell their stories to share uh, because, you know, there's nuances in how we're experiencing this based on how we've been brought up and our expectation. And depending on what generation you're in, we do have some of those old school things that Jason's talking about, about being the breadwinner. Where do you put your value? And and that is a evaluation that's happening for all of us. You know, where, you know, where is work versus time with family? And if for any of those of us who have people who are affected directly by it, you know, where, where are you spending your time? So it's encouraging to see that happening. I think there's a lot more, but, you know, there are groups that are coming together, you know, the, the um, virtual, virtual happy hours and things like that are helping us to lean on each other because we have a shared experience. And, and that's been really good to see during the, during this time. And I'll add to that, that, you know, uh, we live in the, obviously a hyper digital world, especially now. And, and everything is on IG Live, everything on, is on Zoom, everything is so public, right? This public display of connectivity is what I think we're, we're really looking to. But but a lot of it is happening offline as well. And I think that's what, Cavell, you were alluding to. You know, I was one of those people that you reached out to as well. So thank you for, for doing that. Um, but that's, that's also happening. As, and, and I think we should be mindful of not undervaluing that kind of, that, that under the current, under the radar communication and connectivity because that's just as important and it's as simple as a text right it doesn't have to be a zoom call for two hours right it doesn't have to be let's meet at club quarantine right it's just hey you know how are you doing let's check in what can i do are you safe and that's it and i think that's equally as important uh, at a time like this yeah the you know for me it's been it's been an interesting being so we're on martha's vineyard Right. And my parents have a house up here and they were like, get out of New York, come up here. And it's been a really interesting experience being quarantined up here, both with my family, but also out. We've both my wife and I have had um, people flick us off. People point finger guns at us and shoot because we're from New York. Now, as a black man, that's so much triggering in so many different ways. (laughs) Right. And to be able to have to, you know, Cavell and Jason, your, your points, to be able to have groups and P and individuals, right? So not just as public, but individuals just to talk about that through and what that means and how that's triggering both in so many different ways has been extremely helpful. And I, what I've thought about this, you know, what I've found out about this pandemic is like people are reaching out from like the woodworks that you haven't talked to in a while because they're like, you just pop into their head and they're like, I got to check on you or you're doing the same thing. And that has been so helpful in kind of just being able to share an experience, to be able to know that people are out there that still, they'll still care. And yeah, that's one of the things that I hope continues throughout. I have a couple of groups. I have a dad's group in Brooklyn that I'm a part of, um, a couple of friends in the neighborhood and, you know, we're still going, but I hope we do more of that coming out of this. It's, it's going to be needed because we're still going to be, you know, having tough times recovering in post COVID life. And we need all the support that we can get. Um, and one of the questions actually from the summit, speaking of support, um, that we kind of answered in summit, but you know, it, it kind of takes a different turn here is, was how can women of color support men of color in this time as we go through our own struggles in that? And it doesn't have to be women of color. It could be, you know, our partners, but how can other genders and um, sexual orientation support us uh, right now, what what are what are some thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean it, it's a it's a it's a tough one for for me to answer because I think everyone needs support, right? Uh, I, I, 
in to your point, in this COVID world, it's a little bit different than the norm where there's certain things that are affecting men of color that are very different and we need to support from. I think, you know, what our concerns are right now are shared concerns and, you know, it's a, it's a two-way street um, where we need to support each other and check in on each other and be there for each other. And, you know, what I see that's going to be important is, and I know it's not directly answering your question, is the community needs to support the community. Uh, because there's so much disruption that's going to happen in people's livelihoods. Things will change in long term. I, I do feel like it will get better after you know going through the, the Great Recession. I, I have that in me, uh, that hope in me. But people landing on their feet is going to come from people in the community who know them, putting in that word, taking that resume, submitting it, because there are places that are going to be growing and places that are going to be shrinking. Uh, and that's where the community can support each other because we know, and I'm, again, I'm thinking about this just from a livelihood perspective. We know that in many companies, you know, it varies, but to be up to 70% of roles that are filled come from referrals. It doesn't just come from, hey, let's just pick, pick a resume from who applied. And so that's where, you know, that community support is going to be needed so that, you know, we're already a smaller subsection of most of the companies we work in. You know, we need to support each other to make sure people land on their feet and don't get squeezed out because of uh, the crisis that's happening. Yeah, I think I would just, I would add to, I would add to what Cabell was saying in the sense of talking about, I, I feel like, you know, because I, I personally consider myself to be a pretty intersectional person. So there are a number of different communities that I fall into. Um, and the thing that I'm sort of struck by that's happening lately is that I feel like there's been a lot of sort of reaching out in those different areas uh, of my life. And I think part of it is just that need for people to sort of connect with each other, uh, what, no matter what the community is. So whether it's people of color, South Asians, South Asian gay people, like across as many different sort of areas, I think that there's a need for people to connect with each other right now that I feel uh, that, I'm, uh, that I'm definitely struck by, that I, that I find really interesting about these times. And, and you know, uh, again, to, to, to what you're asking in terms of looking at sort of like specifically at sort of support from a gender perspective, I feel like there's something about this experience that is making me feel kind of super global in the sense that I feel like we're all kind of connected together and we're all kind of in this together. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And, and that's really just piggybacking on what both of you said. To me, it's about the micro acknowledgement, you know, acknowledging that whoever we're sharing a home with or life with, that we're acknowledging that, you know, if they're at work and you're not, for example, or if the roles are reversed, you know, just really acknowledging the fact that you appreciate that person for what they're doing, the fact that they're you know, continuing to contribute to your household in whatever way they are. I think those those micro affirmations really go a long way at a time like this, where whether you're a medical professional on the front lines or you're someone that, you know, is fortunate enough to have a job, but you still have to report there physically. I think those those little acts of love, acts of service, uh, are really uh, important to go a long way. Yeah, I mean, I, I love so another way to support each other. I mean, I, I love that micro acknowledgments. That's a great because people they usually think. I mean, we talk a lot about it at RGA how people think you have to do these grand gestures, you know, especially when it comes to the profession I work in, equity, diversity, and inclusion. But I, I talk a lot about no, it's the small things that have a big impact. Right. And so that micro acknowledgments is great. And Ashok, you're right. The whole, like, this is probably the first time in our lives that something has affected seriously on a global scale like this when we're all in this together. And that is important to acknowledge. And it's also important to acknowledge that it's affecting each one of us individually as well. And that can't be forgotten, even though it is impacting us globally. 
I want to make a, a small shift and talk a little bit about what companies can do or are doing or, you know, maybe are not doing in this space because, you know, Cavell, you, you, you talked a little about how they're, you know, in companies and we talked a little in the beginning about people getting furloughed and laid off and, you know, what does work look like before, after, and that puts a stress on all of us. Have you all seen anything that, you know, companies are doing really well? And a lot of it is out of their control, right? Um, so have you seen things that companies are doing well that have helped and that our companies should be doing to help with the mental health, especially of, of men of color in this time? I'll speak to a, a couple of things, um, and, and this is where I have to give my employer uh, and my, my leader, Nancy Dubuque, a big shout out. You know, since COVID has happened, the, the communication from the top um, has just been tremendous, and she has been so human and so vulnerable uh, in how she's communicated. And one of the big things I thought was so encouraging around mental health is last Friday, she gave the entire company a day off um, just to step back just so that everyone could step back in the middle of the, the craziness and, and everything that's been, been happening. And so I see, you know, I'll talk about my organization, obviously, because that's what we did. But I, I see this happening in pockets uh, in a number of companies and, and, and great CEOs are bringing, you know, such a humanity to what's happening and they're creating space and they're creating, providing the resources for their, their employee base to really manage through a very, very stressful time. I, I heard Bill Konigsberg uh, talk about the fact that he's doing, I don't know if it's daily or weekly updates with his, with, with his, to his organization where he's just giving his thoughts and he's like, that's something he wasn't, wasn't doing before as a leader. And so, you know, there are these leaders that are out there doing a, a lot of great things and you see companies like Microsoft and, and a bunch of other companies doing a lot to talk about it, to create a space and also create the opportunity for an employee, for their employee base to help, especially in the tech industry, they're tapping into their engineering prowess to say, how can we help what we're doing? And I was highly encouraged to see things like Google and Apple coming together to do, you know, sort of um, that trace work to contact tracing. So I think there's, there's good things that are happening. I think more companies need to do that. And I think more leaders need to step up during this time and, and really help their employee base to understand what's happening and, and be vulnerable and, and help them to, to manage through this time and create spaces for them to deal with the mental impact of what's happening because it is really crazy and confusing and the un, nothing bothers human beings more than the unknown and there's a lot of unknown right now uh, that's creating a lot of angst and anxiety. And not everyone, you know, is people, we all need help and how do we manage through that and we're, you know, we need to lean on each other and we need to lean on our organization. I can say the same thing for RGA. The community we we get weekly emails from the CEO and the weekly emails from the COO. So we get this kind of double email from them, letting them know what's going on, and being very open and vulnerable and human about the fact that they don't know what's going on. But here's what's happening, and they're going to keep communicating. And I think that vulnerability and that openness, and to your point, Kavil, that humanness that the that people and companies and leaders are showing is something that needs to stay with us coming out of COVID a level of transparency. Like we, um, for the first time, let all of our company, all of our employees see the results of surveys and they have a complete access to it from, it was like a work from home survey. Um, and I think we, we as RGA, but we as, as companies need to have more of that coming out of, of COVID to keep this kind of human 
element to companies and leadership going? So I would just echo everything that you, you both were saying. I mean, the, you know, I actually work in communication, so, um, <laughs> you know, that we've definitely been busier than, than before in terms of, especially from an internal communications point. I mean, sort of figuring out a way of, of, you know, remotely and figuratively wrapping our arms around our employees during this time has definitely been a priority. Um, and frankly, for the first time since I've been at this company, internal communications seems to have taken some precedence and priority over external communications, which is like an interesting place to be. And, you know, it's interesting, I'll just throw this out there anecdotally. Um, you know, one of the things that we've been doing, and it's actually a, a really great thing, um, is we've been getting sort of people across the company to do little videos from home talking about their working from home experience. Um, and the reason I bring that up, and I would, would love to get your guys' thoughts on this, one thing that's come up that's really been interesting is that there have been some concerns about some people feeling more comfortable sharing sort of their work environment, where they live, their homes, and other people, frankly, feeling having some reservations about that. And to be honest with you guys, there has been a racial component to it, I think, a little bit. I, mean, I think a couple of times I've been struck by the fact that the people who, who have sort of said, I don't really com- feel comfortable doing this, you know, I would say probably out of the, you know, 30 or 40 execs that we've asked to do this, the people who have objected to doing it have all been people of color, which I thought was really interesting. And I don't really know what that means. I'm just throwing that out there. But I thought that, that was a, because we, we wanted to make sure that these videos were as diverse as possible. And I would just love to get your your, your perspective on, on what dynamic might be at play there. I, I have a, a few thoughts on it. I, don't, I, don't, I can't <laughs> you read the minds of your, your executives. I think people of color, men of color, uh, that's the focus here. We have to show up in a different way at work. Uh, and our home is our sanctuary, our sanctuary and our authenticity. And because whether we like it or not, many, many of us are code switching and, and being a representation of who we need to be in, in our work life. They don't, there's a hesitation to expose some of that, you know, to, to the organization. Because if you've been creating this image, uh, so to speak, of who you are, which is a representation of who you are, but just, you know, you're not showing the, the full spectrum because of you know, all the issues we know that exist, then opening up your home, which then gives the full spectrum, can feel a little bit scary, can feel like it might disrupt thing that you've spent, and you're talking about executives that you spent all so many years to, to, to build. And, you know, I, I can see why there's some, some, some hesitation there uh, to let folks in because it's, it's part of, you know, how we have to be sometimes in, in, in certain organizations and not being able to share our whole selves and, and no one talks about that. So now it's like, there's this jarring moment of like, oh, well, share your whole self. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, you know, I'm not ready to do that. Uh, I think that's, that's, that's part of it. Um, because I know I've had enough conversations with execs and, you know, they talk about what they, how they have to be in some of the code switching that they have to do in their organization. So, you know, I'd venture that that's probably one reason for maybe a, a couple of the execs. You know, I think what you're both talking about is something that I think is, a part of a broader conversation that I mean, I think it needs to take place, and that is, how does diversity and inclusion change now uh, that we live in a world where we're increasingly socially distanced, right? And I think what you're alluding to, Ashok, is, you know, these people don't feel included on some level. They don't feel like they're included as part of their organization enough to show up their fullest authentic selves and sh- and and share their their homes or a piece of their homes with the rest of the people. And so I think. That is perhaps a conversation that we should dig into deeper 
and, and start to ask ourselves serious questions about, okay, if we are going to be increasingly socially distanced, and those of us who are passionate about diversity and inclusion in the workplace, then what do we need to start to do and focus on? And, and how does our focus need to change so that people still feel included or feel more included the further distance we are? So, so I think that's part of the conversation, but that's just something that I've been thinking about post-COVID, how our industry is going to change from that perspective. I mean, this, this, this topic hits home for me in so many ways to all the points you made. And then I'm going to touch Jason on yours on, on how diversity, equity, inclusion is changing now. Cause we're also going to have an episode on that talking to some folks from the, the summit, but how it's changing now and how it has to change and why it's actually more important now than ever. Right. One thing, you know, we, that I've noticed is this, you know, we're not using it here, but this virtual backgrounds on zoom. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's cute. It's fun. It's nice to see all the crazy wonky things people come up with. But some people, to all the points made here, are doing it for a specific purpose, right? And that is, uh, you know, for some people, to not show the fact that they're, you know, in they've been in their bedroom the entire day because that's the only space they have in their apartment with five other people. And Ashok, to your point. Um, I had a great conversation with uh, Glenn Singleton um, from Pacific Educational Group who does uh, Courageous Conversations about Race. And we just talked about how this, is, this pandemic is really showing the disparity and the distance between people. Um, you know, I, I myself am a little embarrassed, like y'all see me on the Zoom, folks listening can't, but, you know, I said I'm in Martha's Vineyard at my parents' house, you know, and that shows a certain level of privilege that I have. So I use the virtual backgrounds to kind of like hide that in a way. And I'm sure, you know, some execs you know, who have much larger houses and apartments, like there's levels to all of this. It's very telling to what companies, and this is getting a little off topic, but to Jason, your point, to companies who in this time, how they look and prioritize equity, diversity, and inclusion. Because coming out, the world will be changed and how we work will be changed so much. And there's going to, cause we're going to see so much more. And Ashok and Cavell were talking about, you know, I think Cavell mostly talking about the, you know, now that our, we always ask people to bring our full authentic self to work and Cavell to your point, he's like, we've brought in a portion of that. But now that you see my home and you see how it's decorated and you see, you know, what's in my kitchen, what's in my bedroom, like that is, that is my full authentic self. And either we don't feel companies are ready for that or companies are definitely not ready for that. You know, like as, you know, men of color, and especially in the black community, right? How often do we go to the barbershop? Stay fresh and stay clean. We're not going to barbershops. We're not doing that now, right? So you're seeing a whole different side of us than the side that we put out there, you know, that, that specific side of our authentic self that we put out there. And that, all has a play in not only what companies are doing and how they're going to react to this, but our mental health as well. Because now we're not only worried about how we look when we step out the house and go into the office, but we're looking about like how our house looks and all this kind of stuff. So that's layers on layers and layers that you know bring weight upon our own mental health. It's just more for us to think about that, you know, maybe other folks don't have to. And that just weighs and weighs and weighs on us. The, yeah, the idea of co-switching, that, that really hit for me. Uh, when is the diversity panel? I'm 
when I think that's coming out. I think that's the third episode that's going to come out. Has it been recorded already? It has not been recorded. I'm recording that okay. on Friday morning, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that because that's, it's, it's a, it's a topic right now, especially for people in my profession who, you know, sometimes their jobs are seen as, you know, luxuries that companies have at times. So it's, it's really going to be interesting. Um, I want to ask you all, we've, we've talked a lot of in, in generalities and I'm going to ask all of us to get a little vulnerable, like our leaders have been a little more human because, um, uh, I can't remember who mentioned it, but this kind of idea of the, oh, I think it was Shoka, it was you talking about how there was more um, internal communications going on than external, which is a huge switch for you know all of our industries because we're usually more out, out, out. And I really want to talk about how that, you know, is in, that, that notion is impacting us as individuals, right? I'm, I'm get a little vulnerable there, maybe get a little tactical. And I want to hear... You know, and I, and I can start if it makes people feel comfortable. How really we are dealing with this in our mental health, and what we're doing to kind of keep that as you know healthy as possible in this time. Like, what challenges are we facing? What are we doing to kind of help overcome those challenges right now? Um, because you know, as, as great as it is to be in Martha's Vineyard, it does come with the fact that I haven't been in, I haven't set foot in my apartment in over a month. I have no idea what's going on there. Still have to pay the mortgage. And, you know, my daughter broke down. But she can't see her friends. She wants to go back to school. It's, it brings its own set of challenges. So I'd love to hear from you all about, like, kind of what, what, are, what are you going through right now? As much as you want to share. And then what are you doing to help alleviate some of that stress? You know, it's funny because every post you see on social media nowadays is like, now's the time to write that book. Now's the time to start that thing. And, you know, it's just like productivity on overdrive. Right. Mm -hmm. And to be honest with you, I don't, I don't have that motivation. You know, it comes in spurts for me. There's times when I feel really motivated and there's times where I just don't want to do anything. And, um, and, and it's just being okay with that is, is I think where I'll start. You know, I, I am in the process now thinking about, you know, what, how does my business need to change? You know, do I have a business anymore? Um, do I need to go back and get a job? Like all of these things that are happening. And so to be completely open and transparent with you, I'm not interested in thinking about creating as much as I am thinking about just being and, and, and focusing on every moment. What can I do in this moment to just be mindful of who I am, how I'm feeling, and then, and then shifting it if I need to. Um, and then tactically, there are things that, and I, I might have mentioned this uh, during the panel, uh, when we met in person, but I think I'll, it's worth repeating now in terms of things that you can actually do to help deal with mental health issues or if you're feeling depressed or anxious. Obviously, we're home now. We're, we're, we're stuck at home, so you might be cooking more than you, you might have in the past. So cook with, with actual ingredients, right? So go to the market, pick yourself up some vegetables and cook with actual ingredients. You know, lean into your craft. Uh, again, what, uh, another thing that I mentioned during our meeting I just said that I'm not in the, in the creativity mode, but for those of you who are, now might be the time to lean into that. So, and then just write, write in the journal. I think it's, it's really important um, for me, at least, is to get my thoughts down on paper um, at a time where, you know, I can't go to my regularly scheduled therapy sessions, you know, it, it, because either they're remote or they've been canceled. 
you know, I still need an outlet. We all still need outlets. And for me, that's a journal. So just writing things down. Um, and it's a place that's safe, you know, at a place at a time now where nothing feels safe, perhaps the journal can feel uh, like a safe place. So those are three things that I do to actively and tactically deal with uh, my feelings and emotions on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, the, the, what really struck me with you said productivity on overdrive, right? And that we live in such a productivity driven society pre COVID. Right. And to now that just, it struck me so much because there's how much productivity can you have, especially, you know, if everyone's in a different situation, but you got three kids at home all trying to school them. You really don't have time to write a book. You're just trying to survive. (laughs) Right. And so I love the fact that you said, like I I took it as uh, when you said just being, I took that as like, slow down. Yeah, just slow down for a moment, right? Because that is so important to kind of just like taking a step back for your own well-being instead of just I got to do, I got to do my work. I got to take care of my kids. I got to feed myself and I got to, you know, write a book, take a step back, be there, slow down. I thought that was, that was great. Great. Cavell, I know you were going to say something as well. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a great question and I think everyone has, a lot they're they're taking on and me personally I'm you know I have direct family members um, including my father who you know has gotten COVID and that has taken a lot of time making sure especially if you have older parents making sure they're okay and, and dealing with everything that's involved with creating space for them to quarantine themselves and and, and things like that and every, you know everyone I think is, is touched by this in, in one way or the other and also having people on my team and in my org who are impacted by it and checking in on them and making sure that they're good and, and we're shifting workloads so that they can have space to, to, to get better. But it's, um, you know, again, my, my role is, you know, I, I lead a client partnerships team, uh, essentially a, a team that's responsible for driving revenue for the organization. And in these tough times, the org needs us more than ever to, to deliver. Uh, and so there is a, a stressor that is there in terms of the heightened um, needs of the organization around revenue uh, and the heightened needs of our clients to, to, to build solutions. And so that has been where I spend a lot of my time in thinking. And, you know, you think being at home, you should have more time um, to, to deal with your own sort of mental, mental health and, and take some time off. But it actually turns out you have less because a digital life, is, is can be 24 seven if you allow it. Uh, mm-hmm. So one of the things that uh, a lot of us are doing in the org is, is just, you know, taking time during the day. I, you know, the first week when this hit, I was literally in meetings probably from, you know, eight thirty back to like six, seven o'clock. I, I manage a big team. So I'm on East coast time and West coast time. Um, and after that I had to say, Oh, I need to block, block out time to just have an hour to eat. Uh, and to just stop and to breathe. And I've also had to be forceful in, in also cutting off when I start stop answering uh, emails uh, because you can really get sucked in during, during the time. And, you know, I'm, I'm giving 110% as, as are everyone else on the team, but I won't be as good as I need to be if I don't take a time and pause and clear my head uh, because you, you think you're being effective, but you're actually not being effective if you don't give your mind and your body uh, time to rest, time to recoup uh, so that you can be your, your, your best self moving forward. So it's little micro things that 
I'm doing and that I, I see others in, in position of leadership who really need to step up right now um, that, that, that we're doing. And, and, and as I mentioned at the beginning of the call, I'm also balancing, you know, my birth plan got thrown out the door and I have to figure out where's my baby going to be born and is my wife okay? And, you know, there's a lot, lot going on there. But, you know, I, I think this is where having good mental health comes into play because I'm I, thankfully I have a great family and I have a great wife who uh, is so supportive uh, and who gives me uh, the space and the strong mental health to be able to push through this tough time, to be able to do more of the reaching out and helping and the encouragement uh, for, you know, both people in my personal life as well as at work. I, I, you hit on so much. Um, the 24-7 workday really, like, gave me chills because when you think about people of color, men in color, we have to work harder already. And you think about the situations where people are worried about getting laid off, getting furloughed. How do you show that you're working hard, right? You're up at eight on a meeting and then you don't go back to bed. You know, you don't even think about yourself until like 11 PM at night because no one's there seeing you at a desk, which typically shows, right? That, that proves you're working hard when you're at your desk, right? I think we can all agree that that's true. No, not at all. But now you don't have that. So how do you show you're working hard? You're working all the time. And in a world where you literally don't even have to roll out of bed to start working, I think for people of color and then drilling it down to men of color, that makes it so easy to burn out so fast. And that's why, you, Kavil, you said earlier that, you know, Vice gave everybody a day off. Vice Media gave everyone a day off. Um, last Friday or a Friday off. I think that is a company recognizing that it's easy to burn out in this sort of mode and we have to do something. But I think for, especially for men of color, like, you know, trying to be the breadwinners, trying to keep their jobs, trying to do this, that whole 24 seven work, then you could, you know, to early to Jason's point earlier, neglect the family. Right. And how do you find that balance? And I love, again, you have to make time. You have to make, you know, even an hour is a great start. You probably need more than an hour, but even an hour is a great start for that. Question for the for the group. Um, so we're, what we're talking about is boundaries, right? And so Cavell, I know you, you said you needed to block off time for yourself, but how do we carry this forward, guys? Like, how do we say, all right? So if I if boundaries are important to me, just generally to get to be to be more productive, how do we then carry it forward when we start to reintegrate back into office life and daily life, uh, as different as that might look? Uh, I think that's critically important to start thinking about now. Yeah, that's just an open question. I, I think maybe I'm being a bit naive, but I don't I don't see how things go back to the way they were. I, I, I just can't. Um, I, I think company everyone's reevaluating, re- right? Like COVID, for all its negative, has been an impetus for us to question a lot of norms and say, wait a second why are we doing that? Why do we need to continue to do that? Uh, and I think, unfortunately, because of the extended nature of what this is going to be before, as a society, we feel comfortable just even changing the physical spaces we're in. Um, I think, you know, the habit is going to be formed and probably a lot, a significant, not everyone, but a significant portion of us are just going to continue that habit um, of doing things like blocking the calendar and, 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 you know, setting some boundaries that we can, we can apply to. And I think the world, it will be easier this time around because you're not, um, 
you're not pushing upstream, so to speak. You're actually will be part of going with the flow uh, and just adapting that to what it means for us as, as men of, of color and what what our you know needs needs are. Yeah, I would I, I 100% agree with what Kavala said. I think the interesting thing about what we're hearing about how we're going to sort of start returning to normal in this country, whatever that means is that I think it's going to happen gradually, right? It's a very slow transition that'll happen from where we are now to where we're going to be, you know, down the line. And I think the benefit of that, Jason, might be that we might have some control over how we steer the wheel in terms of coming back to what the new normal is. We might be able to say, like, these are things that I, we were doing in, in, when we were under quarantine that was re- really effective for, for me personally. These are things that I was doing for myself, and I, I don't want to let go of that when I, you know, re-enter the workforce full full time or whatever, when they go back to sort of going to work and whatever that means. It's so I think I think the slow transition of it will give us some degree of control, I I, I believe. I, I it's so interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot and I think it's true. Like it's not gonna go back to normal. Um or not even normal, but the way it was before. And I think people are going to uh Jason to your point, because people are going to be kind of reevaluating what's important to them. Employees are going to come back. I'm not saying with like, you know, pitchforks demanding, but they're going to expect because it's been proven. Like we're in advertising, right? The whole thing is like, we're always scared to let people work from home because we don't know if the work's getting done, right? You can't tell if the work's getting done. We're all doing it now. The work's getting done. Well, whatever work is out there, the work's getting done. So we've proven by force that we can operate like this. Some people I want to going to go back to working five days a week in the office. Some people are not. I mean, if I'm completely honest, like I went through, I don't know if all you know, but I tore my MCL last year and I spent three months working from home, kind of like this minus, you know, the, everyone else around me. And as I started recovering, I would be working from home two days a week to do really intense physical therapy. And what I found is that I actually love the fact that I had those two days to recover, but also do work. And coming back into the office, I can't believe I'm going to admit this on the, I might have to edit this out, but I just kept doing it. And I said, I'm going to keep doing it because I know it works for me until someone says no. No one said no yet, thankfully, but also I know if someone had said no, it would have made me reevaluate if I want to work at my current company because the work's still getting done. And Cavell, to your point earlier, like if I'm not fully healthy, mentally, physically, emotionally, I'm not showing up full. So when I see people now burning out because they think they've done it, and even before COVID, people doing that same thing, they're not showing up well. And they're not doing their best job. So back to Jay's, it's like, yeah, we have to come out of this with a different outlook. Companies are going to have to, or people are not going to want to work for them. And people aren't going to work for you, you can't keep the lights on. So companies are going to have to make huge, the companies that can make the huge shifts are going to do much better than the companies that think they can go back to the way things were pre-COVID. And at the root yeah, of that is trust, trust, right? At the root of that is trust. Bombos 100%. 100%. Yeah, that's really... Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're, I'm sure other companies are doing the same thing, but we're, we've created some task forces that are basically all about, the, like literally titled, the future of work and what's that going to look like and do we need as much physical space as we have now? And do we need to have, does everybody need to be in the same office at the same time all the time? Or can we have some flexibility there? And I think, I think it would be a real shame if, if all of these efforts don't result in some real change. Otherwise all of this will have felt like it will have been for nothing to some extent. Right. Totally. Totally. 
Um, sorry, I don't know, did you get a chance to share your personal experience and what you're doing to kind of help? Uh, you know, so the, the thing for me that I think, um, uh, if, if it's not completely obvious to you all yet, is that I'm a total like extrovert. Like I derive my energy from <laughs> being around other people. Um, and this has been a real lesson for me because, you know, I've, we left the city uh, like you did, Carl, in, in early March and have been up, upstate now for, for five weeks. I've seen no one live except for my partner. And that, you know, has been a real challenge for me. I mean, you know, it's, 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 um, it's been easier in some ways than I thought it was going to be. But, you know, I, I'm used to seeing people like all the time and being around people and networking and schmoozing and talking to people. And the video thing is the video stuff is great and it's, it's certainly helps, but it's not the same thing as being, you know, I'd much rather have this conversation with you guys live yep. than having it over video, right? And that's the thing that's been a real lesson for me to sort of figure out how to not let that drive me crazy. When I think about, could this be, could this go on indefinitely? Could we see each other next time, but have to stay six feet apart from each other, or have to be wearing masks or gloves and not be able to shake hands? Like, that's the kind of stuff that when it gets into my head, it drives me a little crazy. But I just try not to go down that path and think about that too much and just sort of focus again to when we open the conversation, just like on the here and now and sort of, you know, just trying to get through where we are right now. But that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that, that tends to drive me a little crazy. Yeah. I, I think I've always thought of myself as an introvert, but I realize I'm, I have extrovert tendencies as well. <laughs> and I'm missing, you know, like you said, I'd much rather have this in person. Like I was looking at the questions and one that always stuck out was um, someone asked, Jason, when you hug Cavell, he's like, you love that you hug Cavell at the end of the panel. How do men of color struggle with that sort of, you know, physical intimacy and that. And, you know, I wanted, I was trying to think of how do I, how do we do that in this sort of scenario? And it's just that's, not possible, you know? That's such a great point. I, I had a conversation about this, you know, just a, a slight tangent, but I think it's relevant to what you're saying. The, the idea of love languages and how that's changed, right? So for those of us whose love language is touch or physical presence or acts of service or, all of that, we have to reevaluate that, yeah. you know? And so I, I think as an introvert, I'm in heaven in some, in some ways. <laughs> uh, but I wonder how much we're going to have to reprogram ourselves when we start to reintegrate. How much social awkwardness will there be initially uh, after having, I don't know, three months away? Are we going to slowly kind of like walk out like cavemen and start <laughs> touching each other? You know, it, it's going to be so interesting. It's going to be such a, a, a great opportunity for a case study. But I do think that's important. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't discount that at all. So, you know, the idea of expressing love and affection is, is so important for our mental health. So I think it's, it's thinking about how that's changing now and how that will change going forward. Yeah. I couldn't, I'm sure everyone on, on the call agrees with you in that like so much is going to change um, because we have so much, we ha we have, we have to face the man in the mirror. Right. And so, it's going to really... Or the man on the screen now. Or the man on the screen, you know, <laughs> right. whatever it might be. Um, and that, that's going to change how, I think, you're right, society, no one's going to flip a switch and we're all going to like rush back, you know, and start, you know, having, you know, thousand person conferences and things like that. It's, it's going to take a while and we have to readjust, which is, you know, so interesting because that's a lot, like being up here um, amongst wilderness, amongst nature, without literally seeing anyone I know has caused me to do a lot of self-reflection about like the type of work I do about the type of relationships that I want to have and, and how to push that going forward in this, because, you know, to your love languages point, like acts of service are a big part of this. Like I 
do a lot of that stuff. And that has to, has to change quite a bit and how that shows up. But it's also been, you know, tough for myself. Like I, I think it was the first week we were up here. That was rough from work and a person. Cause like, I didn't know what was going on with work and you know what happened. And we're trying to make all these meetings and take, you know, get the kid on zoom for classes. And, Oh, it's just, man. And I, I kind of, I kind of swung the other way the second week where I was just like totally social and was like, I was chopping on zoom calls left and right. And I was doing this and that didn't feel right either. And so trying to find that balance of like where, and then also I totally realized I forgot to take care of myself. I wasn't exercising, wasn't doing the things I love. All this podcast equipment here was collecting dust up here. So I was like, I got to find that balance of between like the social, the things I need, like the support groups, the social stuff, my exercising, but also taking care of the family, spending time with the family. Something that's like, super helpful. Like I, my walks with the dog are a mix of like getting out to nature, walking meditations and pocket and listening to podcasts. So they're like really long walks, which I don't get to take, you know, in Brooklyn. And just that time to kind of reflect and just connect with myself has been huge in, in helping keep me, semi-sane so far kind of just letting that sink in because i've never really talked about it like that but um, no, it's true man i think i think we're all that's the, that's the vulnerability in the human that we've been talking about throughout mm-hmm. this and no matter what your level no matter what your situation we're all we're all become hyper aware of our of our our human being mm-hmm. um because that's who we are first and foremost. And, you know, sad that it takes a, a global pandemic to kind of pull us back to center. Uh, but I think we're all doing that evaluation and that reevaluation um, while dealing with, you know, trying to maintain the sense of what was and what we, what we used to be. So I, I, I think it's great. And I think it's wonderful that you're sharing that because I think a lot of people need to hear it and realize that it's what we're all going through. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's the shared part of who we are. And, and when I talk about community, um, that's what it is. All all communities need to come together um, and, and really be supportive um, during this time. Yeah, that hyper aware of the human. Right, it goes. It brought me back to what Jason said about the productivity on overload. Like productivity is for robots. It's for computers. Right, it's like a CPU thing you know, on the box, you know, we can be productive, but like you lose the human if you always focus just on production, 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 production. And Cavell, you're saying hyper aware of the human. I think that's important for people to realize and understand. Because if you're working from eight to 11 on Zoom calls all day, there's no human time in there. None at all. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I think that brings up an interesting to what we were talking about earlier in terms of what our companies can do. You know, the, I think there, there, there's an interesting thing about, I mean, I don't have kids or a pet or really anything I'm taking care of, um, but there are people who are, and um, especially in the situation where like kids are at home and, you know, spouses may be at home and, um, you know, the idea that, that you can do it, you can be in meetings from 10 o'clock in the morning or 9 o'clock in the morning until 6 p.m., without any sort of a break and still have to sort of homeschool your children and take your pet for a walk and all that kind of stuff. 
um, I think that, I don't know whether we, we said this explicitly before, but I think the responsibility that companies have is to recognize the fact that their employees are human beings and to sort of figure out a way to make sure that work is able to be incorporated seamlessly with life as well, especially in an extreme situation like this. Yeah, I think that that reflects on what Jason, the question Jason asked, is like coming out of this, employees are going to want to feel human at work and have time to do those things. And so companies are going to have to start thinking about and shifting how they view, right? Working hours are no longer nine to five, right? As a working parent, it might be from seven to nine and you're like kind of dealing with your kid and then maybe from four to eight after that. And that has to be okay in this sort of world. And then it's going to, you know, once we all go back to school, there's still going to be shifts of like, well, what is okay? And what is kind of how we view, you know, what work actually is. So that's a, it's a great point. Yeah. And I think to drive that, and I think across the board outside of the conversation around men of color, um, you know, we are all, on this call pretty senior and there's a lot of people who are in the early years in their career. Um, and I think it's incumbent on us who are more senior. It's incumbent on us who have some sense of responsibility and decision-making to really push that change because it's not, you know, not all organizations are created in which those who are mostly impacted at different levels, um, have a voice. Um, and what will happen is, Instead of ha- if they don't feel like they have a voice, they're going to sort of churn out and go to other places that have already made the, those decisions. And so I don't remember who made the point earlier. Like, this is like Darwinism on steroids. Like, if you do not adapt very quickly, uh, you're going to go extinct. All right. Like, it, it's a, it, like you got to, it's survival of the fittest and, and, and it's about change. Um, and those who will change and adapt will, will survive. And those who won't are going to find themselves in very, very tough tough positions, even in what I think will be a much more competitive uh, marketplace for talent. And that definitely ties into Jason's comment before about the future of diversity, equity, and inclusion, right? If people aren't thinking about how that plays out now, right, they're going to, they're not going to be, to your point, they're not going to be able to adapt, right? Again, if it continues to be an afterthought or something that's done on the side, people aren't going to be able to adapt. They're not going to adapt in a way that resonates. And then to your point, like the, the competition for talent is going to be so heavy after this. And to be honest, someone, I think I was talking to I think my wife and she said that, you know, the companies that are going to win coming out of COVID are actually like getting the talent now. Right. And we're set up to get the talent now and start to give talent ways to work into the company that they want right now. While, you know, unfortunately there are layoffs and uh, furloughs happening. But if you are in that position, that's a, it's a good position to be in. Yeah, I, I 100% It's actually, um, as I talk about different communities, there's one community that I'm hoping, and it's one I've been, have had on my mind for a few years, and, you know, that's the lack of their representation in our specific industry. Hoping that the, the community of people with dis- disabilities or different abilities coming out of this will get a boost mm-hmm. because physical space and going into a physical space um, has been a, a limiter for, for uh, or a limitation for, for that community. And I think 
working from home and being able to be in a space that is, you know, for them, customizing them where they can bring their, their, their selves and they can operate in a way that is comfortable and not constantly adapting to environments that aren't, you know, the, the right environment for them to, to, to be there. But, you know, I'm, I'm encouraged by that and something that, you know, I, I've been thinking about and, and hoping that, you know, from a talent expansion of talent, that there are going to be roles and positions that people start looking differently at what that talent pool is and that that, that community hopefully will get uh, a really big boost um, out of the new norm and the ability to work from home and work from a different space and not have to try to, you know, New York City, how do you get into work? And, you know, the subway system is definitely not as conducive as it needs to be in, for, for, for many, et cetera. So um, that, there, I think there's going to be in, in any massive change in society, there are, you know, things that grow and things that, that, that die out. And I'm hoping that for, you know, as we're talking about vulnerable communities, at that point, community, that hopefully will get a big boost out of it. Yeah, and I think, look, there's no excuse for companies anymore, right? Now now there's no excuse for them not casting as wide a net as possible now that ge- geographies and borders have been completely destroyed. Yeah, so so I'm interested to see how seriously they take that um, that opportunity to, to tap into talent that may not be in their geographic area, but it's still nonetheless, whether it's diverse talent, whether it's non-traditional talent, right? Like companies now have no excuse to cast the wider net. I love no excuse. I love that. Love that. All right. As we begin to wrap up this conversation, this has been an amazing company. I mean, we could probably do this all day, but all of us probably have meetings we got to go to next, right? (laughs) (laughs) So being very mindful of your time, I want to ask each one of you and kind of give um, kind of one last piece of advice, maybe that will that folks can do to help support men of color, or that men of color can do to support themselves in this time. And we'll we'll reverse order that we did last time. So, uh, Jason, you're up first. first. Yeah, you know it's going to sound somewhat repetitive, but I, I really do mean it. Uh, I think something that men of color can do to support themselves at this time is, you know, try your best to get out of your head and into your body. And really think about how you're how you're showing up for yourself. Um, self care is so important nowadays, and um, and I'm talking about self care beyond making sure your beard is moisturized, your locks are, are good, your your hair is straight. I think really do your best to get out there, exercise, sweat a little bit, and then just more broadly focus less on doing and more on being. Right? Like if you're really focused on being in the moments that you're finding yourself in the doing will happen, right? The work will get done. It's not going anywhere. Um, but but don't lose sight of the most important thing in your life, and that is right now, that, that is you, right? Because if you're not censored, if you're not kind of whole, then your, your job is not going to be, you're not going to perform well. Your family's going to suffer because you're not going to be fully present for them. You know, so, so I think really it, now's the time to up the ante on self-care. Thank you. Well, think I'm next. Um, yeah, you know, it's, it's I, I talked about this already a bit, and I think this is a, a unique time in thinking of our industry, not just broadly men of color, but in our advertising industry. You know, success in this industry comes from, you know, not just your your performance and your your IQ and your ability to deliver results. This is, a, this is an industry that is a relationship business. and a big, big gap that has existed in this industry for a long time is 
amongst men of color is that we are not connected. We don't, we don't fellowship. We don't come together as much as we could. Where you see it happening with many other groups um, because there's a relatability there. Um, and I think during this time, what I would encourage, and I have advice for two groups, I think more tenured men of color in this industry probably can create now 15 minutes at minimum to probably reach out uh, and to meet with you know folks who are less tenured uh, in the industry. And so I would encourage if you're more tenured, you know, find those 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 folks and and, and reach out to them and check in on them whether they're in your organization or outside of your organization, um, because they probably don't have a lot of places to lean on. And especially if they're early in their career, they're scared. They don't know what's going to happen. Uh, and they and they could use some some advice. Um, and I think if you are more junior in your, in your career, this is the time to also reach out. Uh, I think as we've been talking about, everyone's being more human, everyone's being more empathetic. Uh, and that person who probably couldn't take your call or prioritize meeting with you prior to COVID because they couldn't find the hour to meet you at lunch at a cafe or whatever. It was just too much time. Uh, now a, a Zoom or, or, or any type of video call, is just 15 minutes of their time. And I think people can find that now. Say, hey, let's let's chat and let's talk and, and what can I do to help and what, what advice can I give you? And, and, and it's always two-way learning um, because us, us in leadership positions need to understand more what's affecting folks who are not in, in leadership. And, and I think there's always learning from, from that. Um, so I think that's my, my piece of it. And, and we need each other to get through it. I, you know, maybe it's just my personality, but I lean on people um, when times get tough and, I, and, and people help me to get, get stronger. Yeah, I remember literally, I literally am just going to like uh, repeat exactly what you just said, Deval, because that, that would really be my piece of advice is that I think I, I think that there's, you know, there's something um, interesting that a friend of mine was saying, and he was really talking about the South Asian community, because um, there's a whole other sort of thing that I'm involved with from an arts perspective in terms of uh, assisting South Asian artists. Um, and this friend of mine pointed out that why is it that when it comes to South Asians, whenever you talk about supporting each other, unless money comes into the picture, nothing really happens. Whereas in other communities, like the gay community, for example, it, you know, you never really think about like money or like, you know, I'll help you, but what's in it for me doesn't really come up. And so I think that's something I would love for this group to meet like on a weekly basis. Like, I think there's something interesting about um, professional men of color that I, I agree there isn't the same for whatever reason. I don't feel like there's the same sort of connection. Um, and and maybe if nothing else, this this pandemic will sort of force us to rethink the importance of community on all perspectives um, in a way that, you know, I would love for as an action item for us to think about what can we turn this into? How can we, across our industry, how can we, what can this become? Um, you know, and I, I would just, I, 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 I don't really, I'd have to think about that a little bit more from my perspective, but like I would love to figure out how we can, how we could continue this and maybe provide, make this a resource of some sort. I love that idea. So, and, and just selfishly, I know that I would benefit tremendously for just just being in conversation with you guys on a more frequent basis, man. I mean, just not only from a sanity standpoint, but, but from a professional <laughs> development standpoint, you know, it, it would be really, really helpful. So, um, Rima, I'm, I'm sure you're listening in. Perhaps this is something that may be formalized as part <laughs> of the offering. I think this would be really, really cool. Yeah, no, I'm down as well. I think I think it's so needed, and it's why I, I, I talk about it. I think it's, it's just something that's needed in this industry. Listen, the wheel the wheels are already turning up here for all four of us, and I think between the four of us with you know Rima's and Mape support, we can definitely get some for Mape, but you know for ourselves as well. The last thing I would say, I think 
you know, for men of color, um, we talked about it a little bit before, but there's often this idea of what we should be doing and how we should be behaving in this and really going inside and especially now, like what, think about what we should do, but also what works, right? Because things are going to change and what we should do, what we learned from maybe our parents or our grandparents or society or our culture, our culture might not work actually in a post, in a during and post COVID world. And so letting go of a lot of those notions of like what should be because we are men of color and actually look at what can be because we are men of color will be super great. And I think everything that we were talking about here, whether it's the, the one-on-one connections that we make, the group connections, the support we give will all help us get there you know, relatively soon. So I just want to thank all of you uh, for taking the time out, jumping on this call, parting us all with the wisdom that you have, sharing your experience, being vulnerable, being human. You said it as like more senior men of color here, setting the example that we can be vulnerable and still be successful and still do our jobs and still do all these things. We can all be human. I think we'll reverberate throughout, you know, and for a lot of people. So uh, thank you all for uh, coming on, sharing your experiences, dropping some wisdom. Um, and I look rather really look forward to seeing what we, we can do. I think, you know, Shok, you're right. You put the challenge out. Jason, you said it. We got no excuses. Cavell, I mean, we can find 15 minutes, right? We can all do it. So thank you all. That's all it takes. That's all it takes. Thank you, guys. Thank you thank all. You. Thanks a lot. So thank much. Thank you. All right. All right, guys. We'll, we'll be seeing each other Stay soon. Safe. Bye-bye. For all you Maple alum out there, it's just good for everybody to know. Uh, the four A's has been pivoting. 4A's Foundation has heard, seen what needs to be done, and they've done a great job taking a 47-year-old program and evolving it for our current reality. If you haven't heard yet, instead of the regularly scheduled MAPE Fellowship Program, they'll be doing a virtual engagement program, making sure that the 350 plus fellows from 2020 still have opportunities to engage with, meet with, learn, develop, and be ready for the advertising industry. So I'm, I'm super excited to see what happens there. And also for the alum, the Meetup Virtual Series has already begun. There's already been a couple. And that's a mix of development, mental health, just some fun, right? We only still need to have fun in the midst of all this. So shout out to the 4As and the 4As Foundation for making sure that MAPE continues. And I know they're going to take a lot of this learning and bring it and make the program even better in 2021. So keep an eye out. Check out the social for all that. If you don't follow MAPE, follow it. Follow MAPE on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, everywhere. Maybe, maybe not TikTok. I don't know. Um, but follow me, keep up, engage in it. If your agencies, if you're listening, get involved in any way you can. Let's keep this good stuff going. 